0: The jungle, sweetheart.
1: Quite a nice room. Nice rooms really getting some good right hands in. Gillies
0: is down with Sanstum. Somebody better help Sanstum.
1: Everyone must be held
0: accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh,
1: my. Did Nick plant one on c Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck
0: the dropped and goes right to a
2: This is Coliseum Chronicles The Penalty Box, your source for Islanders Enforcer Talk. So I know that every episode I do, I always uh, welcome my new listeners and I thank the uh, returning listeners. Uh, Because I'm switching it up a little bit today, uh, I definitely want to welcome all the new listeners. I would imagine that there are some... Fans of lacrosse that are listening to the show today, maybe have never listened before, and I'd like to say welcome. Um, And uh, for those of you who are uh, listening today that are are regular listeners and want to see what's going on and how I'm mixing it up a bit, welcome back. So uh, for the new listeners, for the lacrosse fans out there, basically the gist of my show is uh, it's an enforcer-based podcast surrounding the New York Islanders. Uh, It doesn't have to be the nhl new york islanders it could be the new york islanders uh affiliates american league back in the day the international league the central league uh anybody that has some sort of connection to the new york islanders that played the role of enforcer uh that is basically what my show is about it uh i do interviews with the players uh and then i do some solo episodes i recently did a top 10 islanders all-time Islander Enforcer episode. Uh, I've done episodes called Seasons in Review where I take a particular player and I go through the fights that he had during that season, uh, basically break down the fights and talk about other things that may have happened uh, over the course of that season with with that particular player. Um, So today I want to mix it up a bit and I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But first, as always... Uh, there are a few things that I, I go through for every episode. So welcome to episode 58, actual episode 75. Um, and for, again, those new listeners, uh, I've had episodes where I have had uh, a, a guest where the interviews have gone extremely long. Uh, Guys like Mick Vakoda and Trevor Gillies, where they end up being three-part episodes, four-part episodes. And I always keep the episode number the same. So that's why, even though this is my 75th episode, it's actually only number episode 58. Not that you need to care or even care. But in case you were wondering, why is it episode 58 if it's actual episode 75? But welcome to episode 58. Today, my guest is Nolan Clayton. We're going to talk a little bit more about him in a few minutes. Uh, If you could do me a favor, could you please subscribe to the show? Also, could you like, rate, and review the show? Basically, what that does is it gives the show greater visibility. I am always want to call myself small potatoes. I don't have the following of some of the bigger podcasts. Uh, Joe Rogan is certainly not looking uh, in his rearview mirror at me, that's for sure. Uh, But... If you if you give the show a like and you rate it review it I think when people do searches for shows whether it's hockey or hockey fights or whatever it is it may pop up uh, or you may also like that kind of thing so uh, it doesn't take very long to like the show or, or give it a rating even a, a quick review would be great um, but like I always say subscription is free hit that subscribe button and immediately when the episode is available it pops right into your feed so why wouldn't you subscribe Right. Although for the new listeners after you listen today, who knows? You might already be sick of me. I don't know. But any anything like that is really, really appreciated by myself. Uh, if you're on social media, I have two Twitter accounts. My personal Twitter account is at Joe underscore Lozito. And the Twitter account for the show is at Kali Sinbin Pod. So the at Joe Lozito Twitter account is basically my well, it's not basically, it is my personal Twitter account. Now, everybody knows over the last five or six years, you've had many friends who've become political political experts you've had many friends over the last two years who have become medical experts and that's not me i try to keep it light on my twitter i try to be goofy whatever nothing too serious mostly sports related so uh, if you want to give me a follow there i will follow you back and as far as the collie sinbin pod account that's all show stuff that's mostly islander enforcer stuff and maybe now a little bit of the riptide here um if you're interested in the show, if you like what you hear, chances are you would like that uh, that Twitter account, at Kali Sinbin Pod. Similarly, I'm on Facebook, Facebook.com, Coliseum Chronicles Podcast, and also on Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore Podcast. Those two accounts... Very, very similar content to the uh, Kali Sinbin Pod Twitter account, but I know not everybody is on every social media platform. So uh, follow me on all of them, like all of them, whatever it is, and uh, I will definitely return the favor in kind. Like I always say, there's enough to go around in the world. If we can help each other out, promote each other's content, why wouldn't we want to do that? So, uh, so definitely check out my social media platforms. Now. If you scroll down a little bit into the episode description of this very episode that you're listening to, you're going to see links for merchandise. And there are two links. One link is for the original logo merchandise, and one link is for the alternate logo merchandise. Because the products are the same, I couldn't merge it into one, uh, one website. So unfortunately, it has to be two. But it's still pretty easy to navigate, especially uh, if you're not a boomer, as my kids call me, like myself. If you're younger, I'm I'm sure this is a snap for you. So um, that is the Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box merchandise stores, uh, T-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, sweatshirts, leggings, socks, totes, towels, um, tapestries, whatever they enabled me to create on Teespring, I did it. And the logo is there. Now, every week I do a listener exclusive discount. This week, the discount code is Clayton. 20 C L A Y T O N 20 Clayton 20. That code is good from right now up until August 2nd, 2021. So definitely check out the merchandise stores, stock up for the summer, stock up for the fall, for the winter, and make sure to use code Clayton 20 and that will give you 20% off your entire order. Why am I so amped about my merchandise? Well, first of all, if you actually buy any of the merchandise, uh, I really appreciate that. The thought of people not only listening to my program, listening to my content, but actually uh, wearing my logo. It's uh, its humbling. It really is. I, I say it all the time. It is. It's crazy. Uh, but really why I'm so pumped about it is I love the logo and the logo was done by local Long Island artist Joe Marisich. Joe Marisich is available for hire. You've seen his stuff. If you're an Islanders fan, if you're a Jets fan, you're a Mets fan, uh, he does stuff for sports radio hosts. He does a lot of different things. You've seen his tunes. Probably the most iconic one is his Barry Trotz. You'll have to go through the fucking Island cartoon. Um... You see it all the time. Uh, I posted about Matt Martin yesterday, and I got a reply, uh, and someone actually replied with Joe's Matt Martin cartoon. So you've seen his stuff. He is available for hire, and uh, you can get at him at uh, on Twitter, at GraphicsJoker, or via the interwebs, loudegg.com. Joe's a great dude, very easy to work with, and uh, you will absolutely not be disappointed. A couple of shows I want to tell you about. Uh, in the hockey enforcer genre, my buddy, Darren in Saskatoon, the host creator and czar of the fourth line voice podcast, Darren released today. Today is Sunday. Darren released part two of his episode with Colt King. Really, really great episode. Colt is a, a great guest. Um, so I was a little disappointed that he made it a two-parter because, Darren who is a proud member of the hockey podcast network and I always say that because uh Isha at the hockey podcast network always very very uh I'd say generous of him I mean obviously the hockey podcast network has a following I am not part of that network but Isha constantly retweets my episodes and uh he's very cool about it I was a guest on his show once and uh just a good guy so definitely check out the hockey podcast network like I said Darren is a proud member of the network, has two shows a week. Wednesday are his player interviews, and Sundays are his rant shows, the shows I dubbed the Sunday shit shows. Now, because Darren made the Colt King episode a two-parter and part two was released today, there goes the Sunday shit show. So, um, and he's running his uh, fifth annual Bob Probert uh, Invitational Tournament on Twitter now. I think we are down to the final eight Clark Gillies is in there, so please, if you're listening to this today, go with 4th Line Voice on Twitter and vote for Jethro. I believe he's currently losing to Brian McGratton. Uh We can't have that. we got to have Clarky win uh, in advance. But I love his Sunday Shit Show episodes. It's basically uh, Grandpa Simpson yelling at the cloud, something I can definitely relate to. Uh, but because of the two-part Cold King, we did not get that this week. The good news with that is uh I'm about halfway through the Colt King episode and it's excellent. What a great guest, really really cool guy. And uh I urge you to listen to both parts of the Colt King episode and also check out Darren's back catalog. It is second to none. And um you know, he's the OG of this genre. So uh so let's give him some respect. And uh again, if you if you go to his tournament, please Send him notes on Twitter and Facebook about who wasn't in the tournament and why he has no idea what he's talking about. He loves that stuff. He can't get enough of it. And he really doesn't have anything else going on in his life now between work and selling uh, his condo. So uh, it would just be great for him to hear from everybody. So make sure you take care of that. Also, if you've ever watched a hockey fight on YouTube, chances are it was on the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. Darren's YouTube channel for hockey fights I believe he is definitely Over 2,500 fights I'm not sure If he's up to 2,600 but All players all leagues All good stuff definitely Check out the fourth line voice YouTube Channel another show I want to tell you about Five for Fighting podcast with the birthday boy, Alec Olin Salen, down in Florida. I think he's 14 now. Um, No, I I actually think he might be 24. I don't know what he is. He's a baby. He's a pup. But uh, he's an old soul when it comes to the Enforcer game. And uh, his show is very good. Tremendous back catalog. His latest episode, he went live on Facebook uh, last week, I guess. And, uh, he released that episode. I think it was his top five favorite enforcers of all time. It was an interactive episode where he was, uh, he was doing it, uh, you know, his list. And then he was, uh, answering comments from people who I guess were commenting on the Facebook live feed. So very entertaining episode. Alex, a good guy. Like I said, even though he's a baby, um, definitely an old soul, definitely loves the enforcers. And, uh, you just don't see that from this generation now, so uh, so definitely check out his show. Also, check out the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook, 13,000-plus members, uh, some good stuff on there. I'm not going to lie, there's some idiots on there, but uh, I, I honestly, I guess it's social media, so you're always going to get the trolls, and uh, that page definitely has the trolls, but uh, I would say, you know, 98% of the guys on there are good guys and you can uh interact with the former enforcers. I think there might I don't know if there's any current ones on there, but it's a pretty cool page. Definitely check it out and uh you will not be disappointed. Also, one more show. I think he's done for the season, my buddy Bobby Longgrass. Bobby Longgrass, right, that's what I said, from the Bucket Drop podcast. Uh, Bobby does shorter episodes. I think his last episode was about 25 minutes, and uh, he had his buddy on, and they were talking about the expansion draft uh, prior to the expansion draft, who I believe Montreal, Toronto were going to leave unprotected. It was a good episode. Uh, Like I said in the last episode, he wanted me to come on, and uh, I really, you know, I I wouldn't have been good for that. I, I really it probably would have been a five minute episode, Bobby. I think, you know, that I'm always happy to come on, but that was, uh, you know, not really something I, I don't think I would have contributed to, especially because the episode he did put out was, uh, was very well thought out and very thorough. So, uh, when I listened to it, it just cemented the fact that, um, it probably would not have been a good idea. It would have been a pretty boring episode to have me on there, but, uh, definitely check out the Bucket Drop podcast, especially if you're a fan of Montreal, Ottawa, or Toronto. And uh, also he talks about MMA, talks about betting. And uh, like I said in the last episode, congratulations to Bobby. Him and his wife are expecting their second baby, which makes me very happy. If you're on my social media every day, my Twitter, you see that I have been uh, pumping out this GoFundMe for my buddy Steve, who runs the Probert Probert was king.com website, some really great, great articles on there. And if you're familiar with Drop Your Gloves, that was the website that had all sorts of fight cards, all uh, all sorts of videos. It had a bunch of things on there, and it was really an invaluable tool for fans like myself, fans like Steve and Alec and Darren and Bobby, Um, fight fans everywhere, players utilized it, coaches utilized it. Uh and then uh, one day the uh creator of the site, the owner of the site decided that um he didn't want it anymore. And uh not only did he not want it, he didn't want to sell it to anybody. He didn't want anything to do with it anymore. So uh oh pardon me one second. Okay. He didn't want he just wanted it done. So now the majority of the site is no longer available. There are some things on the Wayback Machine, but it's really a fraction fraction of the site so steve went to some web designers uh got an estimate of about ten thousand dollars to create a bigger better badder version of drop your gloves and started to go fund me i think right now we're a little past five thousand so probably have about forty eight hundred left to raise uh it's kind of hit a standstill so what i always say is if you're capable of donating to the drop your gloves uh the rebirth of the bigger better badder drop your gloves Check out my Twitter feeds. It is there. A dollar would help. Five dollars. Anything that you can donate will help. But you know what else will help? If you can't donate, and especially during the current situation with a lot of people, nobody's going to look sideways at you. But you could go on my social media and just retweet the link. Because the more eyeballs on it, you never know. The right person might see it. And uh, and let's get it going here. So uh, I promise you, Steve is the right man. For this job. So definitely check that out. Well, yesterday, uh, well, the last two days were the draft. Islanders did not have a pick on Friday. The Islanders had five picks yesterday. Uh, I don't know anything about any of them. And this, I think, happens a lot with the NFL draft where you get people on social media commenting about uh, the players and, and things like that. Now listen. I I have no doubt that there are people out there that are rabid college football fans and maybe see the majority of these players. But there are so many players picked. I don't know how you, I mean, how many, was there 32 teams now times what, 10 rounds, eight rounds, whatever the NFL draft is. And you're, you're giving a breakdown of, you know, the guys in the ninth round. So I, I don't doubt that there are rabid, rabid college football fans in this country. I'm not saying everyone that posts about that knows what they're talking about. It could always be copying and pasting, but I could see that with the football. But the Islanders picked, I believe, three European players yesterday. And all over my feed were great pick, what a steal, blah, 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 this and that, everyone. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Now, I know that there are some people that love international hockey and had a discussion with someone on my, on Twitter yesterday. And he was the one saying that it's not as hard as you think. And I said, no, that's true. But the majority of, of fans, I think, and this is not just Islander fans, it's fans of every team. I'm not so sure how intense they are when it comes to following the farm clubs. And, and these are clubs with, Players under contract, so let's use the Islanders for ex- for an example. Islanders have a rabid fan base. I'd say there's a percentage of those fans that follow Bridgeport. I'd say there's a smaller percentage of fans that follow Worcester. Now, Bridgeport and Worcester have players already under contract to the Islanders. Okay. So now you're telling me that there are people that watch the Finnish league and the the Russian league so closely that when a player is drafted, they instantly know that this was a great pick. I do believe there are some people out there. Yes, absolutely. And the person I was discussing this with on Twitter last night, absolutely. He's one of those people because then when I checked his Twitter feed, he actually had, some breakdowns and he had some information. So yes. And he said that he follows the Finnish league and he's watched a handful of the Russian games, but he's not like his tweets actually gave some detail, not like great pick. So, well, why do you think it's a great pick? All I'm saying is I look Lou Lamarillo is the man. I love that guy. Uh, And I trust Lou Lamarillo. I trust Barry Trotz. I trust Eric Cairns. So I trust these guys. They they do their homework, obviously. This is why they're in the positions that they are. But I can't tell you if they're good picks. I don't know anything about it. And I'd venture to guess the majority of the people who are saying, oh, great pick, this, 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 they just want to be a part of something. And I guess that's just society in general. But um, it was just comical yesterday, scrolling through my feed and seeing great pick, oh, I love that guy. Come on, please. A fraction of those people actually – Saw any of these guys play games, and if you saw them play in a tournament here or there, that's a really small sample size. so I guess that was just my pet peeve uh about the draft, but obviously, like I said last night, my assessment of these five guys, I know nothing about them, but I hope they win many, many Stanley Cups, and I hope they end up in the Hockey Hall of Fame. That would be great, so um there we go and Of course, with these players, we're talking two or three years down the road anyway, so we'll just see what happens. So let's get to today's episode. Um, today, I bring you an interview with the goalie for the New York Riptide, Nolan Clayton. And I, in the episode, uh, in the beginning of the episode, I talk about how uh, Nolan and I became familiar with each other. So I don't want to repeat it here. Um, but I will say it started on Twitter. And for those of you that follow, have followed me on Twitter for a few years now, um, you may remember that after the Patriots Falcons Super Bowl a few years ago, I had tweeted out how I, I miss football. I think I'm going to start following the Canadian Football League. But the type of fan that I am, I need I need a team to root for. I have to I have to go in with a team. So I put a poll up. And uh, once Rider Nation got a hold of it, they took the poll and ran with it to the point where the Riders got more votes than the other three teams combined. So since then, I've been following the Canadian Football League. I actually love the Canadian game, and I love the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So Twitter the, Twitter was the um, vessel to me following the Canadian Football League and following the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So I had put a tweet out basically saying, uh, about the, the riptide. So that riptide, if you're not familiar, they're the lacrosse team that's going to play at the Nassau Coliseum. And I've heard people over the years when I, when I bemoan the fact that hockey is not as physical as it once was. And I've had people tell me you should watch lacrosse. It's very violent. Uh, you know, it's, it's different than hockey, obviously. Uh, but it's similar. It's similar enough. And, um, they welcome the physical style. And I always kind of kept it in the back of my mind. Well, after the Islander playoff run ended, it seems like a lot of the Islander faithful, especially on Twitter, were sort of, you know, leaning towards following the riptide. Now Long Island has a very rich tradition of lacrosse in the schools in middle school, high school and colleges. Uh, so there are a lot of people on Long Island that are rabid lacrosse fans. I am not one of them and I'm not pretending to be one of them. Okay. I am, as I say a million times when I was talking to Nolan, I am a lacrosse noob. Um, so I just posted a tweet saying how, you know, who are the physical players on the Riptide and, uh, because those would be the players I'd want to follow. And, uh, immediately, uh, I got some replies about Andrew Souter. uh, Brett Malamud, the, uh, the media, um, social media czar for the riptide. And I've known Brett since he's like five years old and friends with his dad, um, the, this kid is a whiz kid when it comes to sports and uh, social media and stuff. He immediately sent me links to some Andrew Souter fights on YouTube, and uh, and I got a reply from Nolan and I, and the rest of the story with Nolan, uh, how again how Nolan and I came into each other's frame of reference. Well, I did we did talk about it in the interview, so again I won't repeat myself. But I watched some of Andrew Souter's fights, and Nolan sent me some of his uh, highlights. And I, I was like, "Wow, this is definitely something I could get behind." I the, the important thing I want people to understand is this: this is not going to be a lacrosse podcast. Now I can't do that. Part of the reason why I started this show is because, with the exception of the three fellas I named earlier, Darren and Alec and Bobby, I listen to I don't know a dozen podcasts, and sometimes they have hockey enforcers on there, and. I would hear people interview these guys and it would be like nails on a chalkboard. And, and again, I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I do believe I know enough to um, have a conversation to do the research. I have been, I have been dealing with uh, hockey players for over 30 years now, all enforcers. And if you listen to my show, I, I'm again, I'm not patting myself on the back, but, I think it comes through that I know what I'm talking about. I have a relationship with these guys. And like I said, I couldn't do a show talking to uh, Finnish goal scorers. That's not my lane. But hockey enforcers, I can. And while I was listening to some of these shows where they were interviewing guys, and there were guys that I was interested in hearing interviews with, I'm just like, oh, my God. So actually, that is a big reason why I decided to do my show, because um, you know, aside from, from Darren and Alec and Bobby, uh, Bobby back then was doing a similar show. Now he, he's changed his format, but aside from those guys, I really couldn't find any quality enforcer talk. So let me jump into it. And and here we are today. I am not, I, I I just want to make it clear because for, I respect, I want people to respect the sport of hockey. I respect the sport of lacrosse. So if you're tuning in today, hoping that I'm going to do an X's and O's type episode with Nolan. I can't do that. I'm completely new to this game. Uh, My goal with interviewing Nolan and hopefully maybe interviewing a few of the other people in the organization is to acclimate myself to the game because I don't want to just go there and plunk down my 20 bucks, have some soda, some popcorn, a hot dog, whatever. And even though, yes, the physical stuff is what's going to draw me in, I want to learn about the game. I want to know about it. Um, So I feel like the best way to do that is to talk to the people involved. So uh, I just want everybody to know I I am in no way, shape, or form uh, (laughs) imitating someone who knows about lacrosse. I'm sure there are plenty of lacrosse podcasts out there that cover everything from top to bottom, and I give you guys all the respect in the world. That's not me. This episode and any other episodes that I have with anyone else from the Riptide are basically going to be geared towards fans like myself, fans with a curiosity about the game, fans with a curiosity about the Riptide and why I should go to the games and why you should go to the games and give them a try. If you listen to this episode and you call them right away and get season tickets, that's great. If you say, hey, when the season starts, I'm going to go and I'm going to go to a game first and see how it is. That's great, too. But I just want to make it clear that I respect the game too much and I respect the players too much and the people involved with the league and the team that I am not at all saying – I am a lacrosse host. I am a hockey fan who is curious about the sport and curious about the team. And this is a way for myself to learn. And hopefully there are similar people out there not familiar with the game, not familiar with the Riptide, that will listen to this and it will pique their curiosity. So really, that's the message that I really want to get across. I am not trying to be a lacrosse podcast because I can't do that. That is definitely not my lane. But... Like I said, the best way to learn is to go right to the source. So like I said, Brett, I've known Brett since he's a kid, uh, rich Lisk. He's the executive vice president, rich. And I, I've known him a very long time going back to his days with the Trenton Titans. Uh, one of the ticket reps is, uh, Danielle Cosgrove. She's a oyster Bay gal, just like my wife is. Uh, she's really active on social media about the team. So, um, these are people I would recommend checking out on social media. Um, you know, obviously the Riptide social media page. Um definitely well, pages on the different platforms, but like I said, I want to learn more about the sport and I hope that you do too. And hopefully this episode will uh will pique some curiosity in you and maybe get you to to check out the game. And if I have listeners in Canada Uh, You also have an advantage because, as I touch on in the episode with Nolan, uh, the National Lacrosse League recently signed a TV deal with TSN. So uh, if you're not in a market that uh, has a lacrosse team, you can watch whatever games that they put on. I don't know if it's going to be a couple of nights a week, if it's going to be a game of the week, but uh, you'll have access to that too. So um, like I said, I just want everybody to know that I'm not – What do the kids say fronting? I'm not fronting that I'm a lacrosse host. I'm a hockey fan with an interest and a curiosity about the team. And hopefully you are too. Hopefully this will pique your curiosity even more. So I have yammered on for 30 minutes. And now I would like to present to you my chat with the, I'm not, I was going to call him lacrosse version of Billy Smith, but I know he'll get embarrassed, but, uh, Nolan Clayton definitely brings the fire when he plays and, uh, and I can't wait to see him play. Thank you very much, Nolan. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Nolan Clayton, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box, uh, coming at you from a little different perspective. Tonight, uh, as you know, if you've been a, a listener to the program, it's always been uh, hockey players. Uh, but I figured this would still fall into the realm of the show since uh, my guest today is going to be playing for a franchise that is going to play their games at the Coliseum. And the good part about my guest today is uh, just from DMs and, and chatting with him, he seems like a really humble guy, really good guy. Um And he's going to educate not only you today, but he's going to educate myself. My guest today is Nolan Clayton, who's going to be uh, one of the goalies for the New York Riptide. So first of all, Nolan, I want to welcome you to the show and thank you for taking the time to chat with us today.
1: Oh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity to be talking to you and the Islanders fans because that's going to be the base of our uh, fans overall. So I'm glad to be here. So how
2: people, uh, how you people should know how Nolan and I hooked up, uh, I went back and looked, and it was on July 10th, so almost two weeks ago. I sent out a tweet, and I said, as someone who admittedly hasn't watched lacrosse very much in my life, and none since the Titans left MSG, I admit I'm intrigued with, all the, New- with the New York Riptide. Could anyone direct me? Uh, to who the more aggressive players on the team are. I know they scrap a bit in the NLL, so fill me in. So I got quite a few responses, uh, but my favorite response that stood out was the reply I got from Nolan Clayton, who uh, sent me a response with an emoji of the guy raising his hand. He sent three of those. So I was like, wow, this is cool. This is one of the players answering me. I, I thought that was awesome. And then it was even cooler when I did a little research and I found out you're one of the goalies. So, my immediate question, and I think it might have embarrassed you a little bit, was, uh, are you the riptide equivalent of Billy Smith? And I think you were very humble in saying, absolutely not, but you didn't mind to mix it up. So, uh, so I guess, first and foremost, before we, before we get into your style of game, you're born in Fergus, Ontario, correct?
1: Correct. Most people, well, most people won't recognize it, but... The McGinn brothers, so Brock plays in Carolina. That's his hometown as well. Mm-hmm.
2: And where is uh, Ferguson in relation to, say, a, a bigger city like uh, Toronto, Ottawa? Is it close to any of those bigger cities? Like an
1: hour and a half northwest of Toronto. Okay.
2: And um, you're a Canadian kid, so in addition to lacrosse, I'm assuming you did – you did play some hockey as a kid. So I'm going to treat you like I treat all my other guests, because I want to know, uh, back in the day when you were, uh, a, a young Nolan Clayton playing either on the ponds or in the rinks, did you have a favorite player that you always emulated or tried to emulate?
1: I had, I had definitely a couple, like the one, I wasn't a forward. So this one doesn't really make sense, but it should grind the Islanders fans a little bit a little Ty Domey when he was at the, <laughs> what the Maple Leafs. So mm-hmm. Darcy Tucker. That that was more of my era when I was growing up. So you get Domi, Tucker. And then it was more of my dad got me onto it, but like I started when I played hockey it was always Scott Stevens, but always that was always my go to. I loved that style of play.
2: Yeah, those are some pretty good guys to uh, to emulate. Definitely my kind of players, even if I'm not the biggest uh Ty Domi fan. So uh so when you were playing hockey, you didn't play golf uh, in hockey, you played out? Correct. I was defense. Yeah. Okay. And um, how how do the seasons match up there for for youth sports with hockey and lacrosse? Could you play both at the same time, or did you have to choose one or the other?
1: Yeah, like minor system. So when you're starting from young kid, mm-hmm. like three or four, when you're starting the skate all the way up to midget, that's usually um their summers perfectly through the summer and then the uh, hockey's all the way through the winter. So you can play both interchangeably. It doesn't overlap at all.
2: And when you were uh, a kid and you started playing lacrosse, did you start
1: playing in goal or did you play out there as well? Well, that is a funny story because, well, it's just a never-ending story. It's like (laughs) one of those funny things that follows you around and all my friends and their parents will always remember. Because in Tyke, it always – that's – I don't know if it's similar to hockey anymore, but Tyke is like where you start out as Mm -hmm. and everyone takes turns playing goalie, like every game is a different player. And so everyone gets a different turn. And I remember like, I liked playing out, but Mm I, I'm kind of the bigger of a guy. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't the best at it. And everyone always says never feed Nolan hamburger helper because (laughs) um, as most, like some people in the States might, might not know, but when it's, dead heat of the summer in Canada which gets really hot it's like in the arenas it's like 45 degrees and humidity and it's like a sweat barn where like the floor is all covered in puddles after a while because it just gets too hot so I got to the bench after one shift and puked up all my dinner all over the (laughs) and I think that's basically near the end I think my dad was too embarrassed to let me play player anymore (laughs) So, And then I had flat feet, so I didn't have any arch in my feet. So I kind of got shuffled over to the goalie and said, we don't want this guy on the bench because he pukes all over the place. So in (laughs) the net he goes. But that, I'll tell you what, and uh, again –
2: I'm not going to pretend to be a lacrosse fan, for for those of you listening. Uh, I am intrigued by the sport. I'm intrigued by the players. So that's why I said uh, that I want Nolan to help educate me, because I am interested in it. I want to learn more. I want to devour everything I can about this game. The equipment that the goalies wear, I I understand you're not doing as much running as the players that are out, but if you're talking about a, a game in the summer indoors, that has to still be sweltering.
1: Yeah, like, so senior, I play in Brampton. Well, it's no longer Brampton anymore. That's still, like, a big pull up here. So okay. we're not going to get into that politics, but... Please don't. <laughs> I was playing in Brampton, and that arena is like an old wood barn. Mm-hmm. Everything's wood in it still. And in the summer, if you get a full week of really good heat of plus 40, which is, oh, I guess I shouldn't be using 40 Celsius. Like, you're up near the 90s, 100s in the arena, so it's real hot. And that arena, like, I've seen goalies that are in the best shape of their life walk into that rink, and around the... About halfway through the game, you can see them tossing the net off, dry heaving behind their net, because as soon as as you walk through the door without equipment on, Mm -hmm. it's like a wall of just pure heat and moisture. Like, you can't... It's hard to breathe. It's like snorkeling you can't do it it's really hard
2: um so when you were younger were you just uh were you like the average kid that played all the sports or did you really gravitate towards hockey and
1: lacrosse i was very hockey lacrosse once i got older towards um middle school i kind of started playing basketball in school and then i played like one year of rep basketball but like i never went along with it because it started basketball and hockey overlap and it just got too much conflict. And then my parents said, you have to pick one. So pick. So it just turned out. And then I played rugby in, in a high school and then high school hockey and then lacrosse. I played junior during the summer. So that was one of the things I wanted to ask you.
2: So, um, for for people that listen to my show, when, when I get the guests on, uh, uh, I kind of do a deep dive into their, their journey. And with uh, most of these guys, it, unless they you know are American, played USHL. Well, USHL is still junior. But is the path to pro lacrosse similar to hockey, where you have uh, junior B, junior A, major junior? Or is there a different way that it goes for lacrosse players?
1: Uh, lacrosse? So you do your typical... Um, midget years, but uh, there's not a third, because there's third-year midget, I think, in hockey, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But you only have two years of midget, and then it goes to junior, which you have five years. Mm -hmm. And so that brings you to the 21 years old. So you can do A, which is like equivalent of WHL Mm -hmm. or OHL, obviously not the same publicity as the hockey, but that's what it is. And then there's junior B, which is just the tier down, Mm -hmm. which is really competitive. And then you have junior C, which is another step down. Then you have intermediate, which is kind of kids that usually we call that a lot of the guys don't really know how to play, but they love banging bodies around. So it's pretty entertaining to watch, not for the skill-wise, but it can get pretty rough. Uh, excellent. And is it
2: similar to hockey where you actually leave home and you go live with billets or is it you play more for your hometown team?
1: It's very, it's very, like, um, grouped. Like, it, there's not, it's not as widespread. Mm-hmm. So you get very strong and they're called, like, hotbeds mm-hmm. in lacrosse. Like, it's not very widespread. So Fergus Laura is, like, Historically, the second oldest franchise in Canada, or pretty close mm-hmm. to it. And there, it's been a franchise since the start, and it had lacrosse. Okay. Like usually, Ferguson Laura sits there with all their, um, with hotbed players. There's a lot of players in the professional league from there. Mm-hmm. Then there's Orangeville to the west, is where I played right. junior A. Mm-hmm. And then there's all the other places. So to expand on what you said, it's more. You try, like junior B, I played in my hometown mm-hmm. and stayed there. And most of the players were from Elora or Fergus. Mm-hmm. But then once you go to junior A, they kind of pull from those other hotbeds. So Orangeville is its own hotbed, but they always fill in a couple spots with the top players from different centers around them. Okay. It's very, very rare where you get like a guy from out west to come and billet and stay mm-hmm. and play. So it's only like maybe five players a year in the junior A loop that actually bill it and stay in in market.
2: And I'm assuming that, you know, you're talking about the Ontario area, but I'm assuming uh, for kids out west it's similar where they're going to just, they have their own hotspots and things like that. Like you say, it's not that a kid from uh, Winnipeg is going to come and and bill it in Ontario. Chances are in his area he's going to have a hotspot there as well,
1: no? Correct, but the big part is it's only like when you look at Junior A, uh-huh. there's only Junior A in Ontario, B.C. and Alberta. Oh, okay, and then Junior B is like very, very small too. Uh-huh. So if, whenever you like, if you go a chance to go to Canadian Championships, it's uh-huh. the top B.C. team, the top Alberta team, the top Ontario team, and whatever is hosting gets the second place team comes as well, or the host, wherever, whatever city it's in, that team gets to be there.
2: Okay. Um, I, you sent me, you were kind enough to send me some of your highlights. Uh, before we get into the specifics, I do want to ask, uh, on a personal level, is there any significance to
1: the number 60? Um, when you grow up, it's usually 1 and 30, uh-huh. But in lacrosse, 29 is a very big number. Uh-huh. And I can't remember if it's big in hockey, but 29 is... It's usually three goalie numbers. One, 29, 30 are the numbers. Uh-huh. And that was... One of my idol goalies was Bob Watson for the Toronto Rock. Okay. And he won 29. Uh-huh. But as you get older and if you're a younger kid coming into a teen, you're not always going to get your number. Uh-huh. Even in a goalie position because there's very few. So... Like I always liked 39, but then looking around, a lot of goalies wore 39. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go 60. I, I've never really had much significance to it, but yeah. 60 just—I like the way it looked on his sweater. So, and plus, it's—it's. It's, I would imagine it's mostly available wherever you play. It's very close. I got close in Vancouver. Eric Penny is 61, which got pretty close, but <laughs> I, I snuck past on that one. Now,
2: uh, as I mentioned, you were kind enough to send me some of your highlights. And, you know, we're going to talk about some of your scraps here because, um, and, and I don't want to make this into the um, the Nolan Clayton fight show, but my, my belief is this, um, for someone like myself who wants to, you know, start following lacrosse and go to the games, all you have to do is get me in the building. And then once I'm in the building, then it's up to you guys to put on the show. Um, But I need something to get me in the building. And that was really where my original tweet came from, because um, I I have friends who are are big lacrosse fans. And I remember when the Titans were here, I worked at Madison Square Garden. I'd go in and peek in at some of the games. And I remember it got pretty violent. And um, so for someone like myself who misses that in hockey, that would really be a selling point for me. And, You know, I think a lot of times people that aren't familiar with Long Island, they think the Hamptons, they think a lot of uh, upper echelon incomes and everything, but there are a lot of blue-collar towns here. I consider myself a blue-collar guy, and for someone like myself and my buddies, we may want to go to a lacrosse game, and you know, not, not just for the hitting and the fighting but that would definitely be a selling point to us so um i want to make that clear it's it's obviously a very skilled game and and i'll let you talk a little bit about that as well but for you know for me and for the purposes of my show we are going to talk a little bit about some of your scraps especially because it seems like uh you enjoy them and uh, i'm sure you don't mind talking about them so uh are you ready to go yeah i'm ready to go all right so I have to ask you about the one you sent me, where uh, you and your current coach Dan Latissor <laughs> almost came to blows. Now, uh, I don't want you to give the details. Uh, I think you guys call him Laddie. I don't want you to give me the details about his specifics yet, because I want to do that when uh, when we talk about uh, the upcoming season and and your team. But this, I, I will say, this dude looks like. killer he looks like he's in sick shape and looks like he could do some damage and uh so if you could take me through that brawl uh tell me what team you were on tell me who you were playing and just tell me what happened
1: yeah that was first round of the 2015 junior eight um playoffs and we were against the whippy warriors and i was on orangeville um I was going through a lot, so I lost the starting position during that series, mm-hmm. and I was on the bench, and usually I'm a pretty calm guy away from the floor, and I'm very shy, mm-hmm. but for some reason, as soon as I put on my equipment and my helmet, like a light switch goes off, and I turn into kind of a psychopath, so... <laughs> Like, I always have that urge, I'm running the door, and I just want to reach around and grab someone, pull them into the bench every single play. Like, it's just tempting, because they're just standing right there, right. so you just want to do that, but I remember one of our players got jumped down in their end, and this is, might be partway through the third, I can't remember, a long time ago now, but, and he got dragged into their bench by the guy that was fighting them. And then they started throwing punches Mm -hmm. from what I recall. So all the players that are on the floor kind of gravitated there. And then some of their, as soon as one of their players jumped over the bench, Mm -hmm. I think every single person on our bench looked up at our coach all at once. And he's like, go for it. (laughs) And everyone jumps over. There's gloves going everywhere. You've seen the video. It just Mm -hmm. turns into mayhem real quick. and, so I grabbed their goalie and have him up against the glass near a bench and kind of shoving him around. I kind—I of, don't really know him, but I know he's not really a vicious person and he doesn't really chirp that much, so I didn't really feel like punching him. So I kind of held him up against the glass. Mm-hmm. But as I'm doing this, I see their their goalie almost over by the gate where they come in trying to get out of the rink, oh, like yeah. trying to disappear so he didn't get involved. Right. I'm watching this the whole time. I see... Our, um, the other goalie on our team punching out one of their players, and so I'm sitting there, and then it's all slowing down, and then he kind of circles around, waddles around towards me, and starts chirping mm-hmm. our bench and everything. Yeah. And I like released their other goalie and started walking, in and I started calling him out, and he kept on going. I said, "If you say one more word, your helmet's coming off, and I'm killing you." So. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and then um, their backup goalie tries to come and start stopping me, and then he's like, oh, you guys are garbage anyways. You guys are a bunch of wimps, blah, blah, I'm like, okay, that's it. And I just push through a bunch of people and grab them and started tossing around, beating them, and we worked our way towards their bench. Probably lasted around a minute of me tossing them around, and then, Vladdy, for some reason, already came off the bench, was towards our bench. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was, like, chirping our coaches or something. But after I was done with the goalie, I turned around, and me and him bump. Well, my shoulder's, like, bumping his belly button. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He turned around, and his glare, he, he looked right through me, and it yeah. was, like, the scariest look you've ever seen in your life. Like, if he wasn't in a job where he would lose it, he would just absolutely pummeled me right into the ground. Like he would just <laughs> squash me. Now he he was a former player, correct? Correct. He was a big bruiser for the Toronto Rock, okay. as I always remembered him.
2: Okay, so we're going to talk more about him, uh, more about him in a bit. Uh, so, uh, tell me about maybe some of the other uh, the other fights that you've been in. Um, and I guess also, uh, well, before we get into that, so is, is the makeup of a lacrosse team similar to the makeup of a hockey team where um, you have guys that uh, are, are known for chirping, uh, you have guys that are known as, say, the enforcers? Is, is it similar to that? And guys that are known as rats that might like to, to chirp a little bit but don't want to drop the gloves, is it a similar makeup to hockey?
1: It's um, kind of similar, but yeah, I would like the thing that I don't like referring it this way but just in my head I referred to it as like good 70s hockey where your favorite Nystrom like yeah. that guy had to score goals and do his job but he also drop in the mitts if he had to yes sir and that's why a lot of people are like they you have to protect yourself because there's a lot of behind the play stuff of getting chopped in the legs like a defender's first thing as soon as he meets up with you if you run from the bench and towards him He's going to chop you on the wrist right away, and it's perfectly legal. So you're automatically getting engaged all the time, either slash, cross-checked on the hip, cross-checked in a spot you don't have padding. Yeah. And eventually, if you're an offensive player, those defensive players are sitting there deliberately trying to hurt you and why yeah. you to knock the score. Mm-hmm. So when it's really hot in an arena like that and you've gone two periods – and people are pounding on you, usually you get to the third period and all hell can break loose pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So, but lacrosse is based, they do a five on five. Mm-hmm. So it's like 5D, five 5O, five and then usually D can play transition. Okay. But when you get the junior, that's what it's like. So there's not necessarily, they're obviously going to be a big dog on each team that you're like, that's the guy that's going to pound me if I do anything ratty. Mm-hmm. So... Everyone has that player but there's not it's not as prominent as like older hockey was where it's like, Oh, there's Probert. Yeah. And we know what he's gonna do if we act up. So it's more everyone kinda can defend themselves and if there is a guy that can't defend himself then another guy in his line is perfectly capable of throwing bombs.
2: Now the NHL to me Uh, I find the NHL very hypocritical because they do everything in their power to make the game a lot softer. Uh, They want to eliminate fighting. They really eliminate the physical defensemen crushing guys in front of the net. But yet, um, the league will use fights and hard hits in all of their promo videos. As far as the NLL goes... um, the the uh, physical defenseman, uh, we had a guy here, Eric Cairns, uh, used to just kill guys in front of the net. He's an Ontario boy, uh, but he couldn't play in this era now because he if he blew on somebody, he'd be getting two minutes, two minutes, you know, five minutes, whatever. Um, does lacrosse still allow for defensemen to punish guys in front of the net? Like the forward can stand in front of the net. At his own risk, because there might be a guy back there that's just looking to crush him. Like you say, slash him in the wrist. Maybe, you know, I don't know if it's legal to hack him in the legs or anything like that or cross-check him in the back. But uh, is that all that stuff legal in lacrosse?
1: Cross-checking, body-checking, and slashing yeah. is perfectly legal. It, the rules get very bent in lacrosse. Like, if you look at the rule book, all the stuff that happens isn't supposed to allow it to be happened. Right. But it's just the way the game. Is. Like it says, slashing can only be used to dislodge the ball. Okay. So people use that as I'm going to hack him so hard in the arm he can't hang on to his stick, <laughs> hold the ball. So they kind of everything gets bent. You can't slash people on the legs, but it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. You can't cross check in the back, which does get called a lot because it it's not good. There's not much padding in the back at all. It's mainly on the arms yeah. because people get cross checked all the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So. The rules get bent a lot to some point. Mm-hmm. So, like, fighting is just almost going to happen.
2: Yeah. And and you guys are wearing shorts, so
1: you really don't have any
2: protection on the leg. I mean, you do, but the, the players that are out really have no protection on their legs, correct?
1: Correct, yeah. So the go-to is usually the player will put his stick on the back of the knee Yeah. and, like, kind of spear him there, then drop him and then run away to the net because now there's one less defender for three seconds. Yeah. So the very, like the games, people always joke and say the game's a game of like inches, mm-hmm. which it really is. Like if you can get a solid inch on someone, yeah. so if you come up and pick them and give them a little cross check on the back of the hip, mm-hmm. they get that little bit of separation. Yeah. That's all it takes. That's all it takes for someone to score. So the game's very, very fast and physical. And, For some fans, they might not catch all the dirty stuff that does happen Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because it's just a blink of an eye and a guy already got cross-checked and slashed, but there's a guy rolling to the net already going for a goal and getting blown up as he's shooting. So it's like it can be hard for some hockey fans to understand it because it does happen quick and it is a quick game. But once you slow it down a little bit for a couple times of watching it and think to yourself, what just happened? You start to catch on, and it gets exciting because you can watch that bottom player roll to the top and get a backside on a defender, mm-hmm. and in your head you're like, oh, this guy's going to get free lane because as soon as you get an inside lane, you're doing pretty good. You just got to get the ball to you, which is also hard because that guy's also getting hacked to pieces and cross-checked if he has the ball.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm ready to go. I wish you guys were playing tonight. I'm, uh, I'm you're, uh getting me all fired up for this. Uh, if I had access to every game you ever played on video and I could say, tell me about a couple other uh, bouts that you had, uh, you know, junior pro, whatever. Uh, just give me a couple of other stories uh, from times where you might have uh, taken someone to task.
1: Junior B is always an interesting league. There's, always the skilled guys on Junior B that are on the brink of just going to Junior A, but want to stay in the hometown or whatever, but it is a very grueling league, and people get punished in that league a lot, so it started, um, we had a guy on our team, Jackson Hostraser, his brother is Billy Hostraser, he's on the Toronto Rock, and he was our tough guy, like this guy made his own lacrosse shaft out of a piece of wood, (laughs) just rounded it off and it was a big hunk of hickory and he said if, if shit ever gets crazy like this thing's getting put on and we're coming out that pier and I'm gonna start swinging <laughs> so he'd always get excited and in indoor lacrosse or box lacrosse in Canada it's legal to use wooden sticks like full wooden sticks okay so which are just it if you hit anything with it, yeah. if that person just rolls on the ground. They're just done. All it takes is a little tap on the wrist, and you can break bones. Right. And goalies use the wooden sticks, and that got me into a lot of trouble. I think I led my team in penalty minutes my second year, just from like the ball being around my crease and just chopping people down. Mm-hmm. And so we were in Owen Sound, and Owen Sound wasn't, that good compared to us and we were kind of running away at the game and um it's always if you want to start something you always kind of go into a goalie's crease because that's like a sanctuary for a lacrosse goalie it's a lot different compared to a hockey crease the lacrosse crease is very like the only protection for a goalie is that crease because a goalie is fair game like a player as soon as he comes out of the crease it's not like hockey where they're protected by rules and you can't really hit them okay like, if a goalie comes in and plays the ball, that that player sees red, and he wants to kill that goalie <laughs> and run him through the boards. Mm-hmm. So that's your only safe spot. So when players start running through and chirping you and giving you little taps on the way by or landing in the crease and, like, chopping at your legs, mm-hmm. you start grabbing people. I got to the point where every time someone stepped in my crease, i grabbed grab them by a the face mask and pulled them down. <laughs> so... It got to the point where they were doing that because they are losing and they are kind of running through and brushing me. And I was grabbing people and ripping their sweaters and telling them, the next guy that comes in is getting hacked down or getting punched in the face because I'm not going to put up with it. So I think it was the end of the second period, and I'm walking by, and their whole bench is yelling at me. Mm-hmm. And I said, you send your biggest bugger out here right now, and I'll drop him. Mm-hmm. And nothing happened. We got near the end of the third, and Jackson, our fighter, he goes out to defend the guy, and the guy turns around and rips an underhand, hits him right in the bag, oh. and drops him, Yeah, and he's out for the game. He, he had to go into surgery and everything. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was bad. So we were stuck without our big dog fighter, and the game was out of control. We were fully ahead, and... We took a penalty in the last 20 seconds, I think. They're just trying to, like, calm the game down. Mm-hmm. And I look, and I see the five of their players walk out off the bench, and it was all five of their fighters oh. So <laughs> our play. And we're sitting with four guys. And I'm looking, and I already know. I look to my left, and their fighters sitting right on the crease. And this guy can't really play lacrosse at all. Mm -hmm. Like, if he catches the ball, I'll be surprised. (laughs) Just knowing the fight, for sure. Like, he's that guy where you're like, this is their fighter, and this is probably the one guy that's feared in the league. Mm -hmm. So they pass it around, and then probably the last 10 seconds, the ball gets down to him. He turns towards me, doesn't even try to shoot the ball, and he just runs right through the crease and sends me through the boards, through the net and everything. Oh, wow. So just call it just causes mayhem. Yeah. So our four four players are fighting their four players, and I had to fight this guy. Yeah. And it was funny because, like, you get so mixed up in your padding because lacrosse goalie padding is just built differently than hockey goalie pads. Yeah. Just, like, way more robust um plastic so they're stiffer. I remember I couldn't get my glove off. It was stuck, so... And that was my stick hand, so I had my stick kind of like up against his face, and I was like punching through my stick, like kind of like a. I'm, it's very funny. And then yeah. we go at it, and then I I won that one. I was happy. Yeah. I he didn't really get. I just punched so fast and tried the as many blows, and that he fell down. I think we slipped in a puddle of humidity, and then went down after that. Yeah. And I remember our coaches; they were pumped and I'm walking to the bench because the ref's trying to get me from not going back in and grabbing someone else. And they have their fans coming over the glass into our bench trying to uh, jump our coaches. Yeah. So our, my coach is like, give me your stick, and he takes my big one stick and he's just chopping their fingers on the top of the glass so they can't come over, and it was just wild. Oh, my God. Cops were called just so we could get out of there and not get jumped by their fans. <laughs> but and that happens at least once a summer at least stuff like that it
2: just gets out of control how i had mentioned to you in uh, in one of our messages that um you goalies you look like in in lacrosse you look like the guy from big hero six that cartoon how hard is it to if you're not uh, you know in hockey a lot of times if it's two guys they'll they'll give each other the space to drop their gloves take off the lids uh unless you're face to face with a guy and he's giving you time to say unstrap your gloves how difficult is it to fight with all that equipment on well,
1: like a lot of players don't want to fight the goalie, because uh-huh. like, what are you truly winning out of that? Like, it's either you win, and it's like, oh, good job, like you fought their goalie. Blah blah yep. blah. And now you don't get jumped by someone else. Uh-huh. And then if you lose, it's just like that goalie just slapped you around the rink. So it, it's very hard because overall, the shoulder caps are built like. Um, football pads, uh-huh. and then the arms are, like, kind of stiff and only bend at the elbow. There's no more flexibility in them. Okay. So, like, and they get strapped around your wrist so they don't slide around. So it's very hard, especially in the moment. Yeah. Like, you grab someone, and his first thought is, I have to get out of this situation because, like, this just isn't going to end well. Right. So they try to get away. If you tried to stop and take the uppers off mm-hmm. usually something you can get an arm out but you want to grab them and start throwing punches before they can bail out on you so it's definitely a grab and go on them now um in terms of
2: the fighting in lacrosse now in hockey you know guys are on skate so inevitably if the officials don't come in to break them up they may fall you know after a while you get tired you, it's ice you guys are playing on on uh dry land unless it's sweaty and everything obviously um so how do the fights usually go is it, does they go when do the officials usually jump in because unless you knock a guy out or knock him down nobody may go down it might just be toe to toe and do they just wait till the guys get tired before they come in
1: literally you'll see a lot of fights where like the refs are right in there like oh we're not gonna let this fight happen and then like one of the players will stare at the ref and tell him the f off <laughs> It, it's happening, so then the ref says, okay, and then I'll go make sure no other fights break up, and the refs will just leave it okay. and let it happen. Mm-hmm. So it usually turns out, most of the time, it ends with an actual, like, judo takedown. Okay, Like, you'll be punching like crazy, because there's so much balance you could box. Yeah. You can do the classic straight arm and lock and load with haymakers. Like, it's very, it can be very blunt of, like, I'm just going to straight up box here and go till we can knock each other out, or eventually they'll get to a spot where they're both tired and they'll be grappling each other, and then there'll be, like, a slew foot or a trip or, like, a slam Mm -hmm. to take them down. But, like, there's a lot of respect in the fighting too, especially if it's spite It's a lot like hockey where Mm -hmm. you'll see two guys go out and, like, pat each other in the back after. Yeah. Now, um...
2: Just give me, um, and you don't have to go into a ton of details about this, but I know here, and I don't think the team is still here, uh, we had the Long Island Lizards, and New York Lizards, uh, and that's actual field lacrosse, which I think is now the PLL, where you guys are the NLL, uh, box lacrosse. Uh, so can you just tell me some of the differences between the games? Uh, really more focusing on what box lacrosse. I would imagine it's a smaller surface, and to me that would be more conducive to a more exciting game.
1: Yeah, so box lacrosse is average two hundred feet long. It's just a hockey rink, right? It's just a hockey rink, and they put down turf on top. Right. And not, not like pellet turf, like soccer turf, more carpet. Mm-hmm. So there's that, and then so everyone's condensed into a smaller area, um, and field lacrosse is a lot more strategy of moving the ball around really fast and getting a Mm one-on-one with everyone else out of the way and beating your guy. The net's bigger. So, look, it's more of a strategy game when box lacrosse is very... You have to show up that night to accept that you are going to get beat on if you want to win. So, a big difference is the players are very good in close quarters, which makes them very good field players because I'm, I always, I explain as always, Canadian is the box game and Americans are the field game. Okay. So the American style kind of run the alleys and all that and shoot on the fly and very like, they're very modest picks where field across picks are you have to be stationary and it has to be fairly early. When box lacrosse is the guy runs up, gives you a chop in the hip, and rolls off you and creates a – gets rid of you entirely. So, like, there's a lot of differences in the physicality, which causes Canadian players to strive in the field game because they can be inside and catch a ball from any angle under any kind of pressure and put the ball in the net. And it's very hard to go from field to box, but from box to field, there seems to be an excel just from pressure and the more focus on your hands being better. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great American boxer cro- lacrosse players out mm-hmm. there. And there's some in the Hall of Fame, like Casey Powell and guys like that. But, like, majority of the time, you get these Canadian guys that play. In the field game, coming from Bachley, let's look at Jeff T, mm-hmm. who's now the Reptides' first overall pick. Mm-hmm. He's the first overall pick in the PLL as well. Okay, and he's just—I don't think anyone's going to see a player like him for—he's like the Wayne Gretzky, in my opinion. Wow, for lacrosse, like this, this kid—if you ever saw his stats for um, junior lacrosse, it's like one hundred and forty. Uh, points in 16 games oh is the gosh. type of points he puts up. So he's generational. Like that term just put out a lot of generational players. Yeah. But he's definitely the generational player. He he's second or third in the PLL in points, and he's only played three games. Oh wow! Compared to everyone else playing five or six. Yeah. And then he's about to play with the Riptide, and I guarantee you he's gonna do magical things there because played with me in Brampton in his rookie season. Because the MSL, the senior league, is like a big, brute league. It's all the NL players, but they're allowed to play the Canadian hardcore lacrosse. Mm-hmm. And it everyone knows who Jeff is there. So Jeff walks in and I'm thinking, oh, here comes their bruiser, and he's just going to sit there and hack him all game, just not do anything else. Right and Jeff walks out with five points a night. So, like, the the kid's amazing, and you can't teach stuff like that. Like, his drive for the game, and I think that's a big thing, too. The passion for the sport for the Canadians, and now the Americans are starting to pick up on it Mm -hmm. is amazing because the passion for the sport is so high, and if you mix that passion with any sport, then great things are going to happen.
2: Now, before we get to specifics on the squad, I'm glad you brought up passion because one of the things that I want to I want to stress to people because I think what uh, you know we're conditioned to see professional athletes and the first thing you think about professional athletes are well they they got to be rich they're all millionaires they're all this they're all that and it brings me back to uh when when my children were younger we used to go watch uh independent baseball here once and uh my oldest son had mentioned something about baseball players making a lot of money and i said actually i probably make more money in my regular job than these guys are making out here now I, i said these guys are playing for the love of the game they're trying to this is either their last shot at playing pro ball or they're trying to go up a league or get noticed by a team and i i think that's similar in your league that One of the things that I know is going to make me go and watch you guys play is the fact that you guys are not living out in the Hamptons and these big mansions and everything making a lot of money. You guys are working regular full-time jobs and maybe practicing a few times a week and then playing your games. So for someone like myself, you guys have... I, I have so much respect for you guys because you are obviously not doing it for the money. You are doing it because you love the game. And, and I hope that the fans realize it, that uh, you're, nobody's getting rich. Maybe it's it's similar probably to combat sports where you have 1% is making uh,
1: a lot of the money, but, but you guys are doing this for the love of the sport. Correct. And, like, another example, like, a good example is if you're a practice player, like, you sign your contract for practice player. Like I remember, Oh, when maybe 2016 or 2017, I forget when I was with Colorado, I was all young and happy signed my practice player. And it's demoralizing when you get that first check. Cause you're sitting there and you're all happy. And I think my check was $26. Oh, no kidding. Because there's union fees and all that stuff from the player union. But like, you don't get paid very much to begin with, but like, it's demoralizing but funny to look back on cuz mm-hmm. that was so I was so happy to get my first uh professional player check in mm-hmm. and 26 dollars and I'm like oh <laughs> good thing I wasn't in like any of these crazier places like there's a team in New England at that time mm-hmm. so like I not imagine if I was there and I was all happy getting a check so I blow some money in the casino and then all of a sudden oh no I didn't get I didn't get paid any money so I'm screwed down in the doghouse once I get home. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I said, so you know, for for you folks out there that are listening and you're thinking about it, um, you know, it's not these are not uh, bougie guys playing the game because they're making a lot of money. These are guys that love the game, and I'm sure that comes out uh, in your play. So. Um, I know, I know. You had mentioned the Toronto Rock, and I know they have some pretty rabid fans up there. I know uh, Saskatchewan Rush have some pretty rabid fans out there. Uh, what are uh, what are some of the cities out there where the fans just
1: go bananas for the sport? So, like you, like Buffalo is wild. Mm-hmm. Buffalo gets just as many, if not more, than the Sabers for their games, and you know how Buffalo fans yep. are; they're very wild. Mm-hmm. And they're very like lacrosse games are very interactive to the point where the fans are very interactive in the game. They have their little signs and everything and Mm -hmm. giving people, giving the players the fingers or like (laughs) chirping them through the glass at the penalty box or throwing beer on them. Like it gets pretty wild.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So there's Buffalo, um, Colorado, where I, where I was the practice goalie. That place is wild. I remember my first time, I think, 16,000 or 14,000 packed in there, all happy, and they have, like, this fireworks show, right right before or right after the National Anthem, and I was up in the press box, and I almost had to go change my shorts after those fireworks <laughs> went off in there. It was crazy. Yeah. Everyone talks about that, too. Oh, just prepare for that fireworks your first time it catches you off guard. Yeah. Right away, I'm like, oh, man, that makes you jump right out of your seat, but it was great, like, the atmosphere at NLL games is insane so yeah um, all right so let's focus on the
2: on the squad this year first um you are you've been in the league a few years how
1: did uh, how did you end up here uh, on long Island It is a very long trek so junior a oh I'll start at junior a because it's easier for me to start from there mm-hmm. so I'll mm-hmm. motor through all that stuff pretty quick. Junior A in Orangeville, I was having a good season, my my twenty year old year, so my fourth year, and I was looking forward to twenty sixteen, which would be my final year, and this was the year we were built to do great things. And the day of our home opener, I'm driving the work, and I hydroplane and go headfirst into a transport truck. No kidding. Yeah. And I lost all mobility in my left leg, and I remember I'm sitting there, and I'm scared to call my parents. Like I know they need to know I was in an accident; it was bad. But yeah. like, I worked so hard to play lacrosse, and for that season, that like I know it was like gonna demoralize my family. Mm-hmm. But I I got the paramedics to call them and tell them to meet me at the hospital. So I went to the home op- my home opener on crutches to try to get there. Like I couldn't miss them playing, so I missed my whole first half of my last season. And I think I pushed the comeback enough that enough to play, but like I think mentally I wasn't there. Mm. Like I had to deal with a lot of stuff from that. So I was very shaky, and I couldn't really get back into the groove and the passion that I'm used to playing with until I got the playoffs. And I had a decent first round against Kitchener. And we got the Brampton playing Jeff Teat, of course. And I didn't have – I wasn't all there. Like, it wasn't that good. And I got pulled, and then I lost my starting position in that series. And a big rivalry in junior A is Orangeville and Six Nations. Okay. And a lot of players in that all are from Six Nations of the Reserve okay. in Ontario. Mm-hmm. A lot of great players and a lot of great people come from there. Mm-hmm. And me and those players, like if you wanna see people butt heads, yeah because I'm a psychopath and those people everyone loves chirping. It doesn't matter where you are. Mm-hmm. And just it never felt better because I got into that series, and I don't know what it is. I think the switch clicked mm-hmm. that I'm used to having. Just for some reason playing that team clicked, and I had one of my best series I've ever played in my whole entire career, and we swept them. So we went to the Minto Cup, and if people don't know what the Minto Cup is, that's the bread and butter of Canadian lacrosse. Okay. You, if you want to win a trophy, a lot of players would rather win a Minto Cup over NCAA championship or anything like that. Oh, wow. So we made it to the finals. And um, we made it to the finals and played Coquitlam. Mm-hmm. And our very first game, so a goaltender in the league now, Christian Del Bianco, he was on Coquitlam. And, he, and me and him went toe-to-toe our first game of the final series nice. And the game ended as 3-2, which is I think rated the lowest ever Minto Cup game for goals. Wow. So we went back for trading games till game 5. It's a um best 3 of 5 mm-hmm. for the finals. And we and, we as an Orangeville lost um 6-5 in overtime. Wow. And like the amount of, like, sure, it was nice to make it to the Minto in your final year, and that's what you look forward to, but, like, nothing rips you apart than that moment. Yeah, I bet. It brings you down, and, like, you're, that was in BC. So we were all the way across the continent in BC, away from family. Like, that was awful for me. Like, I felt terrible. Like, all, and that's the game of inches. next my shoulder and went in in overtime uh-huh. like it's just a game of inches so like mentally i wasn't great that year and then i remember my dream as a kid was to get drafted in the nll mm-hmm. and i was excited like after my showing in the minto analysts were saying second round but he won't last much longer so i was pretty excited i was dressed up in my suit all happy and I went to the draft and didn't even get drafted. Oh God! Nothing was more demoralizing walking out of that building and not being drafted. So, yeah, that that's kind of but that's the fire that like started. Mm-hmm. I was very like in a bad place, but that was like the fire to get me going again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was on. I've been on a mission ever since then to prove everyone wrong that I do belong. And. It took me a long time, and probably since the start of this year, it's taken me the time to actually realize that I can't dwell on that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I need to use it as fuel, but I also have to take my career in my own hands, and I need to put that extra more time in the gym. I have to do all this extra. I have to do this if I want to be where I want to be and deserve to be and there's no looking at other players. So Colorado, I had a good run with, but I was young. They have the best goal in the world, um, Dylan Ward there, so it's a tough place to get into. Mm -hmm. I had a couple seasons off in the ALL, which is kind of like an Ontario league with the same rules as the NLL, Mm -hmm. but it's more semi-pro, and they're trying to get to a status where the NLL will invest in them as the AHL type of thing. Gotcha. And be like a farm league. Mm-hmm. That's their idea. So I played a couple of seasons there and got to a point where I was a really prominent goalie there. Mm-hmm. And my coach there, Jamie Dubrick, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. He, he's the scout for the Eastern scout for Vancouver. Okay. Warriors. Mm-hmm. So he got me the opportunity to go out for a tryout. And I felt I had a really good camp. But they they wouldn't sign me. So I said, that's fine. I'll just go back to Ontario mm-hmm. and do my thing. And about half, I think it was just after New Year's, they messaged me and said, hey, like, or Dubrick messaged he's like, Vancouver's looking for a goalie. Like, are you going, would you go out there? I'm like, 100%. Mm. Get me out there. Mm-hmm. So a week goes by and. I end up in Vancouver and it's not only practice roster where you just practice and you're with the team and then you go in the press box like I got to be a backup. And that experience will go from all the hard work it takes to get there to the point where you're putting the jersey on, you have the pads on and you're sitting under the stands there, pacing, waiting to go out and you can hear the music, you can hear the fans. Yelling, screaming, doing stuff. I don't know what they even do out there now. Yeah. But they're very wild for no one even being on the floor. <laughs> and just like that thought of like the smokes going up for where we come out and it was just unbelievable having that experience to just finally step foot on that floor. Mm-hmm. And that was just big for me. And then I think the biggest moment was I finally got to go into a game.
0: Mm-hmm
1: and it was against Georgia. And I remember being so nervous. I I think I was sweating and it wasn't hot or anything. I just, they said, hey, Nolan, you're going now. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I was like trembling. I didn't know what to do. I ran out and sure enough, they win the face-off, come down and I'm thinking to myself, "Um, oh, like, I just need this to happen for me. I just need it to work out. Mm. So... I was lucky enough to make the save, and then they pulled me out and put the other goalie back in. But that's all I needed—just yeah. that, moment, just my moment. So, our last game of the season was against Saskatchewan, and it's wild in there. That's yeah. quite—it's the, nothing's more nerve-wracking than that you walk, you walk out in your suit, you just get to the, to the rink there, and you look out, and there's already fans in there, double-fisting beers, ready to rock and roll, and, like. <laughs> an hour and a half till game time like, oh, what are these people doing? Like But it's wild and I got half the game in Mm -hmm. but like I've never been so nervous in my life but I I cannot go backwards to think like I would ever want anything else. Like that just drove me to want to do more and want to play more and it's pushed me to try to push for a starting spot with the riptide, which I'm fortunate enough to have an opportunity with. And you came here via trade or were you a free agent? Vancouver released me. Okay. Um, Logistics, as you know, as we talked, logistics for NLL is crazy because people are flying on the Friday Mm -hmm. to go for a Saturday game. Like it's insane. So like flying all the way to Vancouver is very hard. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my choice. Like I didn't mind it, but I'm sure it's expensive flying a guy all the way from Ontario to Vancouver every right. single weekend. So mm-hmm. I got a I got an agent to help me find the spot and we were talking and he's like, Oh, like you might have a good opportunity in New York, like they're a young team. They don't have like a solidified like Matt Vince or any guys like that mm-hmm. in the starting spot right now, like you should go for it. Mm-hmm. So I got lucky enough, I got the call from, uh, I think it was Jim Veltman, mm-hmm. gave me the call. And I was lucky enough, and they sent me a contract, and that's rest is history. Now it's just, just trying to work out and be prepared for the season to come. Well, I don't know anything about your competition in
2: that, but I can promise you if, uh, if you bring this fire that you've discussed from your uh, previous season's you will be an instant fan favorite here on the island. There is no question about that. So, um, so I do know a few people affiliated with the team. Uh, your executive vice president, Rich Lisk. I met him many, many years ago. Uh, for those that don't know, Rich has uh, he has so much experience in, in sports at many different levels. He's been uh, he's been involved with the East Coast Hockey League. I think he was involved with um, Arena Football. He's now involved in lacrosse. I mean, you have a, you have someone there with legit credentials running the show. So I think that's another important thing for fans to know that um, the person in charge of this team is someone with a passion for sports. He's a sports fan. Um, Obviously he has drive to win and he has a, he has a rich history on his resume of many different teams, many different leagues. So um, we, it's not just a figurehead here in charge uh, on Long Island. We have an actual guy that, that actually cares and wants to win and put a good team together and knows how to do that. Have you have you uh, had the opportunity to speak to Rich at all?
1: Not in person because mm-hmm. of COVID, but yep. we have um, team um, like Zoom calls mm-hmm. every now and then just to get updates. And I tell you, Rich is such a great guy. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he truly cares about the team. He yeah. truly cares about the main thing, the community around the team, mm-hmm. and that's his biggest push. He wants. He wants that fan base, he wants that drive to win, he wants that energy in the stands. And like to be honest, like every single one of um us on the Riptide were watching that Tampa um Islander series mm-hmm. and like we we could just like feel it through yeah. the T V screens. Mm-hmm. Like we just like wanted to wanted that yeah. back. We've been driving and missing that mm-hmm. feeling of like the buzz in the air in the arena. And I'm sure the fans missed it when they weren't allowed in the stands. So, like, that's our biggest drive. Like, Rich is doing his best, and he's doing a fantastic job from what I hear from all the ticket salespeople that they're just killing it right now. And, like, if the Islander fans are really looking for a fun event, it's got music playing all the time. As you heard, like, it's a battle on the floor. You can't go wrong, like... Mm -hmm. It I think it suits an Islanders fan perfectly, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, it's in the old barn, too. Like, it's just home for a lot of Islanders fans if you want to go back to the Coliseum. So it's just, like, the perfect thing for an Islanders fan, in my opinion.
2: And one of the things I'm looking forward to is, uh, while I said I've known Rich for quite a while, uh, the uh, manager of marketing and social media, a young man named Brett Malamud, who you and I were discussing before we started recording. Now, Brett's a young kid. Uh, This kid has sports in his blood. Uh, He grew up. I know his dad. I've known his dad a long time. Uh, What I can't wait for is when you guys get down to the island, because Brett has been really pumping up the team on social media with some really, really good. Videos and uh, I just want to see what he comes up with uh, for you and uh, and I'm looking forward to it so uh, if if you follow the team on social media all that stuff is uh, I'm sure it's a team effort but uh, but that there's a kid there Brett Malamud who um, who really cares about the team cares about the sport so uh, so i do I do know him as well uh, and like I said I can't wait to see uh, see what he comes up with when you finally get into town um, now we're going to circle back to your head coach Dan yeah. Ladisore so uh we we discussed him a little bit and uh and I urge people to go and look for the video of the brawl that we talked about where you're actually uh, face-to-belly-button with this guy. I mean, this guy looks like he's chiseled out of granite. He looks like a superhero. So give me a little bit of background on this guy, uh, what he does um, outside of lacrosse, and uh, just a little bit about his career so people know just how intense this guy is.
1: Yeah, I don't want to go too crazy on Laddie because, if anything, with your type of podcast, he yeah. should be a guy that should be coming on because okay. he's an animal. Like, yeah. If you want passion and grind in a game, you look for Laddie. Cause if you see any of his videos, like he's always plenty happy, ripping that helmet off and dropping the mitts. He's grinding. He's slashing people. It was always fun watching him play. Mm-hmm. But um, I do believe I'm not 100 percent sure, but he's definitely with the Durham Police, which is a police service up in Ontario. Uh-huh. And um, I, I'm pretty sure he's on the tactical force. I don't know if he still is anymore. Mm-hmm. So kind of like SWAT, in my opinion. Yeah, I, he's an animal. Like, and he's got people talk about people have that look in their eye mm-hmm. where you're like, I'm not screwing this guy. And that was the look I got. Like it was uh I'm burning a hole through you right now. And like every urge in his body is like, I cannot punch this kid in the face, but I want to so bad. Yeah. But, like, Laddie's great. Like, and that's the other thing, too. Most, all the lacrosse people understand the passion of the game. And, like, me shoving him, it's nothing against him as a person. Right. Just, like, we're in a brawl and I'm bumping him and me and him stare each other down. And it's, like, there, there's no hard feelings. Like, yeah. like, I don't hold anything against I just laugh about it. I'm sure he laughs about it now. So, mm-hmm. like all the people in lacrosse are great people. They're super accessible. Like, if fans ever want to ever ask questions to NL players, they're fully, like, available and always willing to give them information. Or even with just a kid looking for a little advice to help his game, like, you could DM any of the players and they would be fully happy to do it. And, like, lacrosse players are super, like, after the game, like, if I could sit out and sign autographs all day, I would. I In Vancouver, I wasn't even the top guy on the team or anything, but I would always have to be told by the PR people, like, Nolan, time to go, and, like, go shower, and, like, leave, leave the arena, and let the, we have to kick the fans out, too, it's time to <laughs> go. So, like, I think the culture that Laddie brings, like, that grinder energy, but, like, He's such a smart coach too. We've seen it when he was in Georgia when he was a coach there. I've seen him play in the Toronto. Like I, I've, I've had the faces team when he is coaching when he's with Whippy. So like, I'm aware of Laddie and what he wants in his team. Mm-hmm. And like, and then you have Jim Veltman, another ex-player of the league and a Hall of Famer, I believe. If not, he should be. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure he is. And the general manager and he's. He's doing the same thing, like Rich, Jim and Vladdy are all on the same page and like driving this culture that they want to push of like hard playing lacrosse, and it's going to be very, very immersive for the fans. like the fans are going to love it because these guys, every single person connected to this team is very passionate and wants to win and wants the fans to enjoy it.
2: Now, the one name that came up more than any name when I sent out my tweet was a gentleman named Andrew Suter, uh, who is affectionately known as Suits. So uh, he is definitely someone that I'm interested in. And and it's funny, as soon as I sent out the tweet, Brett uh, DM'd me a whole bunch of his fights on YouTube. So uh, can you give me a a little background on Suter, just uh, what kind of player he is, and uh, if you've had any maybe not personal experiences with him, but tell me what kind of a player he is. Give me, give me the
1: Andrew Suter scouting report. So suit close to my hometown. He's in, he's from Orangeville. Okay. So just 15 minutes away from my hometown. So once you're part of Orangeville, you're like part of a family. Mm -hmm. So like the alumni organization, there's huge and Sue a huge part of that. So I call him uncle suits. He's like that uncle. Mm-hmm. That's always there, and always having a good time. Mm-hmm. And Souter, if obviously if you go and look YouTube and look up Andrew Souter fights, mm-hmm. you're gonna be stuck there for days. <laughs> that guy cares so much about his team and his teammates. It's unbelievable. Like he's a leader in the room, and he's been a captain of all of these other teams. Mm-hmm. For many years, and I think he's an assistant captain with the Riptide. Mm -hmm. He's just a great leader, and like that guy's just full of passion. If you want someone who's like cares about the game and everything, like he's got a young family at home. Mm -hmm. He's older now too. Like he's not fresh out junior anymore, like it was. Like, and he's a fighter too. So he works during the week and then comes on weekends and fights people. Yeah, (laughs) he goes home like. That's passion if I've ever heard it. Like if you want someone that has your back it's Suter. But that, that guy would go head first through the boards for anyone on this team. So I I can't say enough positives about Suter. Well, I
2: definitely can't wait to uh to chat with him and uh and hopefully get him on the show because uh he sounds like my kind of player. So uh so I think uh I think between yourself and him I, I already have two favorite players on the team. So um So tell me, you already talked about uh, Jeff Teed a little bit. Uh, Who are some of the other players uh, that
1: the fans should keep an eye out for? Well, another veteran we brought in, and this says a lot about um, Rich too, because Rich was originally with um, New England, Mm -hmm. and Callum Crawford was there. And he's been MVP running for the last two or three seasons. Last season we played, if it didn't get cut off by COVID, he probably would have won MVP. Mm-hmm. So, like, he was able, during free agency, in my opinion, I'm like, oh, he's just going to resign with New England. Mm-hmm. But that's when Rich took over with the Riptide. And then all of a sudden Crawford signed with New York. And to me, not even being part of the team, I'm like, oh, that's crazy. I never expected that. But I think that shows what Rich is able to pull off. Mm-hmm. Like, Rich is such a great human being that guys are willing to come and battle for him. Yeah. And so you get Crawford, who is like a hardcore scorer but a veteran, which is good for Teat, which is on the opposite side of the floor, which is an up-and-coming stud in the league. Mm-hmm. And then there's just fillers all through. Like, we picked up a lot of Orangeville guys, which I love. you got to love the <laughs> Orangeville guys coming in playing. I bet. So there's that, like the, we've signed um, Steve Orleman again, so the goalies are all short up, so we have Goa, Orleman, and myself. So we got three strong young goalies. And you got Danny McRae, you got Dan Lomas. They're just a great group of guys. I, my good friend Mac Mitchell's on the team too. Mm-hmm. And if, for example, like people always thought I was nuts because in junior, like to really get me going for a game, I need Mac to pick up the ball at half. At the end of warm-up, going to whine one right off my face. <laughs> just I don't know if it just got the blood flowing to the head and just like woke, wakes you up, but like that would get me going.
0: Yeah.
1: And he's the type of guy that loves it, but is like concerned about it at the same time. But yeah. so it makes it funny. Like he doesn't really want to do it, yeah. but deep down he does. So it's great. Like I think we have a quite the crew building here and like it's a good team environment Mm -hmm. with passion but like everyone's really good too so I think I'm pretty sure the last season they played they're like 2 and 16 the team or something like that okay and like I don't see the riptide being any worse than like 70% this year like that's just my opinion I think this team's so well built now like the ownership group and, like, Rich and everyone has put in so much work and devoted so much time that this team, in the end, isn't going to be a failure. So I'm really excited for it. So for folks that are interested, the, uh, the
2: home opener is December 4th. Um, and, uh, I, I got this off the website, newyorkriptide.com. Uh, if you're interested in tickets, uh, there's a whole section there. If you're interested in season tickets, uh, I think partial plans, whatever, you know, there's a, a phone number five, one, six, four, zero, two, three, zero, zero, six. Uh, definitely give them a call. Check out the website. All the information is on the website. And, uh, so uh, Nolan, this has been phenomenal. You really got me fired up. I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait for the season. I can't wait to get to a game. Uh, and like I said, for me, uh, it, this is new territory for me because I always I always like to think that with my hockey guests, I, I, I do all this research and I, I want it to be the most informative interview they've ever done. But what you've done here for me has really piqued my interest in lacrosse because uh, I couldn't be more of a lacrosse noob and uh, hopefully... For uh, any lacrosse fans tuning in that are already lacrosse fans, uh, Nolan's interview has uh, has juiced you up a little bit. And if you're like me, that you don't really know a lot about the game, uh, hopefully it's amped you up a little bit. So uh, I guess my last question would be, uh, is there anything else you want to say to the fans?
1: Oh, like if I could sit here for four more hours and just like say how much it would mean to have that arena or we're, we're even calling it, I think our slogan this year is Rock the Barn. Like, okay. <laughs> like, we like. I think we're going with that. So, like, nothing more than we want to run out of that tunnel, see the orange and blue mm-hmm. in the stands, people double-fisting pints out there. Like, it, that's all we want. We want, not only do we want your support, but, like, we want to hear the buzz in the community of, like, oh, I went to the Riptide game, and it was amazing. Like, we want here, like, we want that feeling of, uh, we want you part of the family. Yeah. Like, we're going to be passionate in a family-based team, so, like, we want you to feel like you mean something to us, which you do. Like, the fans mean everything to us, and that's part of the passion. We play for ourselves, and, like, we can't play for money because – We're not millionaires. Mm -hmm. So we have to play for something so we play for our families, which can be like actual blood family, it can be the team family, but also like we consider our fans family. So nothing means more to us than December fourth coming out against the Rochester Nighthawks and saying, Look at this turnout. Like this is amazing. People are having a hoot already and it's just warm up. So that, I don't know if I could sit here all day and just like, I already can tell by the what the team's saying that the participation from Islanders fans already mm-hmm. wanting to try watching a game is just over the top already. So like, I appreciate all the interest already. And I just hope anyone listening is saying, you know what, like for $20 a ticket on a Saturday night, Islanders aren't playing. Why not? Might as well go to the Coliseum and watch a game. And you can't beat that.
2: Absolutely not. And by the way, just uh, one thing I scrolled past, but I wanted to to bring it up so people realize just how big the league is getting. That uh, the league just signed a pretty big TV deal with TSN, which, if you're not familiar, is uh, ESPN in Canada. Uh, so the league, uh, the television rights, uh, TSN. Uh, I guess, buying the rights to broadcast the league. Uh, that's
1: a pretty big deal, isn't it? Very big. I, growing up, I remember being able on Sportsnet, called. In Canada, you could watch the Toronto Rock. And it's been hard because we want it on TV. Like, we want that person to be scrolling bored on a Saturday night and say, Oh, what? The, what is this NLL lacrosse? Mm. On TV like it can't hurt I'm already Paying for my satellite I might as well click it mm-hmm. And see what it is and like It's such an explosive Game like anyone that has given It a try to watch mm-hmm. They're like oh I've been missing this My whole entire life and I'm just figuring It out and like It the price Is like so Affordable like if you think About it it's like Four months a season and it's hundred bucks a Month for a season ticket yeah like, and you split that by, by bi-weekly, how some people get paid, like 50 bucks bi-weekly, and you get to go to every single home game. And then, like even right now, if you put a deposit on a, on a season ticket, you get a Jeff T t-shirt
2: with it. I I noticed that. I was wondering where, uh, and I don't know if I should uh, give Brett shit for this, but where are the uh, Nolan Clayton and uh, Andrew Suter t-shirts? Those are the ones I want. Well, I think you should get
1: after Brett. And <laughs> I think Brett will love it. Or yeah. I'll, I'll be like you, to be honest, Joe, I don't know if I can like afford the material. Like I'm going to push T, but like come the season time, I'm sure we can find you a suit or a Clayton shirt for sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love it, man. This has been so great for uh for an old school hockey fan like myself. Honestly, uh, I I can't wait. You know, you you have been uh, a wonderful ambassador for the team. I hope that uh, if Rich and the boys listen to this, I, I think you did an amazing job. I'm fired up. I can't wait to get to a game. And uh, when uh, when you finally get down to the island here, I got a Coliseum Chronicles T-shirt waiting for you. And uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll have time to hook up and have a beer or something.
1: Oh, that sounds great. Oh, well, it's gonna. It's. i'm a big like traveler guy so like there's just i almost need like a list of must do's on long island like yep. i need food joints like i know we're partnered with the blue line deli there mm-hmm. so yep. i'm probably gonna be mucking some sammies out of there <laughs> like yeah but rich even i got i gotta mention this like rich has a deal with west hampton brewing company okay and we have riptide beer there yeah oh yeah i did see By that yep day. So make sure people try that. I, I've been on rich during COVID to send care packages up of pints, but <laughs> I don't think he said he's going to be coming up to make a goodie run. So August 9th, rich, I expect you meet you at the border. Oh, I love it. The opens up with a couple pints. <laughs> like I think laddie was all over too. He wants some pints. I'm sure uncle suits wants some pints. So yeah, yeah. like there's more to come. I, there's a lot I want to do. There's, I at least need a good, like, 10 list of each type of thing, like, must-see places, must-eats, must-drinks, must-people-meets. Like, there's lots to do. I've I've got a little list I need to start to, which is hard because I'm not there on my free time very often, but I'm sure I could hammer out some stuff pretty quick. Well, I'm happy to help you in any way I can uh, with that list. So,
2: uh, I, I listen, I... I really appreciate you uh, you talking to me tonight. Um, like I said, I'm a lacrosse newbie, and uh, I think you did a great job selling the game. And uh, I know I'm fired up, and I and I hope that a lot of my listeners are fired up, and I can't wait um, until December 4th. So I just want to thank you again, Nolan. Uh, I've had you now for about an hour and 15 minutes. I know you got your little girl there.
1: So, uh, so I'm going to let you go. But uh, thank you again, and uh, let's keep in touch. Thanks, Joe thanks for having me on it means a lot not just me personally but like the team appreciates it a lot then overall the fans will appreciate it if if this gets a thousand more people in, like that's a thousand more people to buzz around with with pints in the stand so yeah. you can't beat it like this is a huge opportunity. I know you were saying you're small potatoes, but to the riptide now you're big potatoes so it means right. a lot. I'm happy to help. Uh, I'm happy to help in any way I can,
2: and uh, I'll be I'll be pumping your guys' tires and supporting the team any way I can.
1: Sounds good. I'll be I'll be listening to the pod. I've been I've trekked through the Olsen one, so excellent. I've been, I gotta go through the backlogs now. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah, there's plenty to go through. So uh, you have a great night, and uh, hit me up if you have any questions. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. See you, buddy. Yep. Bye. All right. Bye now. I am so ready to get to the Coliseum for opening night for the Riptide. Honestly, uh, I didn't know what to expect. And and I I told Nolan I was concerned because he's giving me his time and he's really speaking to someone who knows nothing about the sport. And I didn't want to make a fool out of myself. I, I really wanted to... Uh, impress upon him that it was really going to be a learning session for me and for any of the other guys that I, I speak uh, speak to on the show about the team and about the sport. Uh, it, it's definitely just going to be a, a process for me. So uh, hopefully I didn't embarrass myself. And uh, Nolan was an awesome guest. I can't wait till he gets into town and uh, we can hook up and I can help him with his list of things to do. Uh, I know I can definitely help him about the list of places to go and eat. That's for sure. Especially this last year and a half, but anyway, thank you very much, Nolan Clayton. You were an amazing. You were just an awesome guest, an amazing guest, and uh, hopefully you're not the last guest I have from the team. And um, this was a, this was a real blast for me, kind of uh, you know coloring outside the lines here for for what my usual shows are. So um, I'm not even gonna. I'm gonna make a pact. I'm gonna make a promise to everybody. I am not talking about next week anymore because. I just don't know. And then what happens is, believe it or not, my little mom and pop show, uh, I start to feel a little pressure if it's the middle of the week and nothing's going on. So uh, I'm not going to say coming up next week anymore because it just, uh, you know, it, it's a little too much at times, uh, believe it or not. So uh, so I would just say plan on something happening next week. But uh, going forward, I'm just going to thank my guest in my uh, my outros here and uh and move on but again thank you to nolan clayton uh thanks to everyone with the riptide organization i can't wait for the season to start and i hope that this interview may have piqued some curiosity with you the listener uh i hope that you people will be there with me the first week of december when the riptide opens their season and uh, as i always say everybody have a great week and stay safe